Yeah, we've known each other for so long. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it. Uh, the song Whisperer, of course, that's Rick Astley. Never going to uh, give you up. The song was written by the British production team of Stock Aiken and Waterman, where a young Rick Astley worked famously making the tea before the production trio wrote and produced the song for him. Not quite sure if it was milk and first and milk and last, but uh, nonetheless, uh, there we have it. Now, by the way, um, big news in Michelle Yeoh makes Oscars history as the first Asian lead actress winner. And the wonderful Marama uh, Tepola says, I forgive you as you're playing my favourite ever track. Yeah. <laughs> Marama always doing a wonderful job she here. She has rickrolled you. Headlines. She's rickrolled, that's right. People said, a lot of people got in touch and says, um, uh, are you rickrolling R- yeah, us this afternoon, right. Wallace? Yeah, yeah. I'll explain what that means later on. But I wanted to, uh, I didn't get a listener up because I did want to, to get David Snack to sneak in his I've been thinking. We didn't get to it at 3.45. What is it, David? I just want to encourage people to read Less Is More by Jason Hickel, which is a prescription for bringing uh, consumption back inside planetary boundaries and lifting the quality of life for everyone. It's uh, Essentially, it's making a, a really good case for degrowth, which which is a proposal that you, the wealthiest nations and your wealthiest individuals are consuming vastly more than they need, and you don't need all that stuff to have a happy life. And I know we don't have much time, so I'll just offer a link. Go to subslack.substack.com, and I've put a set of links there to three different uh, uh, editions I've written about it in the recent weeks, um, just enthusing about it and explaining some of the ideas uh, about it, because it... It, it's, 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 it, it might sound as though you're asking us to live a kind of a peasant life, but it's not that at all. It's mm. simply saying the excess that bedevils us, the delusion we mm. have about 3% growth forever, which is what capitalism sets out to have, actually undoes us. And this is a, a chance to put ourselves back into balance. If you prefer circular economy, it's kind of a bit like that too, but there's a whole lot in there. Ja- less is more. Jason Hickel is a really great place to start. Come on, I David. really, Come on. really endorse it. Nice. I've been thinking there, David Slack there, and news just in. Uh, the best, the Oscar goes to Best Picture. Uh, so just looking at the nominees, uh, they the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness and Woman Talking. The Oscar goes to Everything, everywhere, all at once. There you go. Oh. So there you go. Three acting honours, best picture, best Amazing. yeah, best director, uh, making history at uh, the Oscars uh, this afternoon. It's 24 to 5, the panel on RNZ National. Uh, and to this, this is really interesting, this story. We talked about ghosting last week, but what about when a business ghosts you after a job application? Finding a job can be tough, but it's even harder when recruiters or businesses don't even acknowledge the application. And how do we know that it isn't discrimination? Anna Briggs petitioned to Parliament to require recruiters to be honest with applicants they turned down for jobs. But the Petitions Committee declined the recommended new laws. And Anna Briggs is with the panel now. Anna Kia ora. Hi. Tell, her, tell me about your experience. What made you come up with this petition? Um, 
I'd been thinking about it for years, but I thought that um, I didn't even have a job, so what kind of status did I have to put a word in with the government? So I didn't say anything for years, and then one day I just got sick of it and thought, you know what, I'm I'm just going to do it anyway. Good on you, Anna. What yeah. was what was it like presenting the issue to Parliament? They were very impressed with your submission. Thank you. Um, I, I found it okay. I wasn't nervous at all. I just talked to them over Zoom and, um, yeah, just um, gave my reasons for why I wanted this petition to go into law. We've actually had quite a bit of response already from this particular issue. Here's one, for example, regarding no response to jobs. I have been to many interviews and not been contacted afterwards. I'm an adult. What the heck would a teenager or young person make of that? It's unbelievably shoddy. It's just uh, one of many. What sort of response have you had, Anna, from others on this topic? Um... I says, um, I haven't really spoken to anyone else about what I've done, um, about my petition, so I don't know what other people think. But, yeah, from employers, nothing. I just, um, I don't hear back. Or when I do, the information, their feedback isn't very good. What do you reckon about this? You first, Georgie, on this. Do you, is there a, is there a, um, well, is it incumbent upon the employer or recruiter to actually uh, call you up and say, look, sorry about this, you didn't get the job and here's why? Or is that I, ex- I absolutely think that it is. I am surprised by this, probably because I haven't had that ex- experience. I have always been um, contacted and got a bit of a follow-up. But as you've just said, it, it would be a bit of a, a, a shot to one's confidence and, and ego when you're putting yourself yourself out there to try and get jobs and you're not hearing anything back even if it's constructive criticism is better than uh, just radio silence so yeah I think good on you and look you know if you care about an issue this is what being a democracy is all about and I think it's awesome that you actually did something about it and yeah. made your voice heard so yeah really yeah. good on you Although, Anna, Liz here says, Wallace, it's nothing, it sounds like Liz recruits, it's nothing malicious. You often just don't have the time to reply to everybody. I can, I can kind of see, oh, sorry, you, you, yeah, Anna, well, Anna. Anna, and then David, Anna, what, what do you say to that? Um, yeah, I think that's sort of um, understandable, but then, um, yeah, I'm not sure, maybe, maybe that's a good reason, but... Um, I've I've just read so many stories about the reason they don't say anything is because usually their reason for not wanting to hire you is illegal, but they don't want to say that, so they just say nothing. David? Yeah, that's a very interesting and salient point um, Anna raises there. I suspect there is something of that at play too, because it is really, I get that point about busyness, but it is not that hard when it's possible to have template messages that you have ready to go that Mm. just mail merge if necessary, if you've got 200 people who applied to say, look, sorry, you're not getting a personalised thing, but at least we're letting letting you know that it hasn't happened, and I'm sorry, and and good luck with it, and press on, you know. And in fact, that itself tells you something. If there were 200 people, then that's part of the reason that, you know, you you don't necessarily stand out from 200 others. But, you know, if if it's in a different circumstance where you have a smaller number and um, there is something more significant at play, it would be 
it would be nice to think that employers might find the time to help because, you know, we're all there at one yeah. point in our life. Mm. Yeah. We're all starting by, out and we're all trying. By all accounts, applicants could use the Privacy Act to request any notes uh, recruiters make. Have you gone down that uh, route, Anna, uh, using the um, pri- Privacy Act? As far as I know, I can't right now because um, you have to give the person at least 30 days to respond and that hasn't been a month yet. Ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, gosh, a lot of response here. Um, Neil says, I was an employer for years. It's not difficult to contact all applicants to let them know the situation. Paul in Devonport says, most employers and recruiters do not bother replying to applicants, in my experience. Uh, someone else says, I worked for a business that was taken to court for giving a reason about mm. why there was a better candidate. How interesting uh, is this? So, um, Anna, one MP said to you when you were um, petitioning uh, on the petitions committee, one MP said, look, I agree with you, Anna, but you can't legislate courtesy. Mm. What would you say to that? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I haven't thought about it too much because I think that, yeah, that is true, but there, um, yeah, I'm not sure about my response to that. No, sure. Actually, yeah. Wallace, you, you you keep trying to get me to find a way to re uh, reinvigorate my uh, stop at pedestrian crossing yeah. themes. I've just found it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in a sense, legislating that you must stop at pedestrian crossing is, is doing that. Um, it, it's, it is more than courtesy. It's actually doing something that is um, working constructively with others. Totally. And, well, that's why I brought it up, because it's putting a person's life on hold, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, is, is that yeah. right? And it's putting your life on hold. You don't know uh, in 14 days whether or not you're going to get, get a call back and go on to yeah. the next job search, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Hey, it helps. It just helps. It just helps, doesn't it? All the very best, Anna, for um, the job search. Well done on um, fronting up to the petitions committee on that. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Very a big response. Yes, it's bad manners not to answer a job application, but the employer doesn't owe you anything yet. So making it a law goes a bit far for me. That's fair enough, Georgie, isn't it, also? Yeah, I think it probably is. Yeah. Uh, although we do legislate courtesy probably on quite a few levels, um, else we'd, you know, oh. we may all go around beating each other up if there wasn't some sort of courtesy framework um, so I don't take that as an excuse but I think it would probably be a little bit nanny state to uh, require everyone to answer an email um, essentially so yes but you know good honour for, for speaking her truth Another one here, applied for head of science jobs at New Plymouth Schools a few years back did not get any acknowledgement of my application then and I was really well qualified I was not impressed it is rudeness not to acknowledge applications, especially in these days of the internet. But judging by the looks here, David, Anna is on to an issue. I think so. A look, courtesy law. Oh, uh, look, the, because in a way it touches on something more substantial as well about the way life is these days, and that also takes me back to my degrowth thing, which is that there, there is a sense in that a capitalist free market world doesn't give a stuff about Mm. you and there are so many ways in which people feel the world doesn't give a stuff about them and finding a way back to something that makes people feel included and recognised and seen is actually valuable and desirable.
You're on the panel on RNZ National, David Slack and Georgie Stiliano with me this afternoon. Georgie is d- Director of Government Relations Firm BRG. David, a commentator and author of More Than a Fielding on Substack. The government has proposed exempting buy now, pay later lenders, checking whether borrowers could afford repayments without falling into hardship for loan accounts of less than $600. But some say 600 bucks. that's too high for many who use buy now, pay later. Buy now, pay later or BNPL is a type of short-term financing that allows consumers to make purchases and pay for them over time, usually with no interest, if you meet the payments. Jake Lilly is the policy advisor at FinCap, and they're a registered charity supporting around 200 financial mentoring services across Aotearoa. Jake, kia ora. Kia ora. So as I understand, with the $600 threshold, payday lenders would not have to do a responsible lending affordability assessment. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, I think um, just important to note, payday lenders wouldn't be in this exemption, or at least what I understand them to be. Um, They've had particularly high-cost loans over uh, 50% uh, have been further regulated. Um, But this is particularly looking at those buy now, pay later providers and all other loans, when you go and take them out, you have an affordability assessment. Those are really important. The financial mentors that we work with tell us that's the only thing that works to make sure that lenders are required to not turn a blind eye to the fact they're going to put someone uh, into a decision of either making a payment or going without food uh, immediately after taking out the loan. So no matter what amount... Uh, a loan is for. Unfortunately, there will be someone out there which it's going to land them in financial difficulty, and, and we can't have lenders able to turn a blind eye to that. But buy now, pay later, very widely used. A lot of people have no problems or issues. Is there not a balance to be struck? Hence, the six hundred buck threshold. I think with that, you know, six hundred dollars is a lot of money mm. um, for a lot of people. Uh, we do see a lot of people coming through on job seeker support type income. Uh, and it will be very, very hard to claw back from that. So it's it's important that there's a proper protection in place with the affordability assessment so that uh, people aren't just landing in that that space. It doesn't mean those loans still can't exist and and go forward. And definitely um, some of these buy-now-pay-loader loans are sometimes better understood than, say, credit cards by some people. So we're, we're not against them in general. We just want all lending to have some proper checks and balances around it so people aren't landing themselves into insolvency very quickly. And can I clarify something? I, if, as I understand my brief reading about it, you have people in the poten- in the position of taking out a lot of these things under that 600 threshold so that cumulatively you're actually talking about somebody with a commitment far higher than that 600, haven't you? And, and, and if you're not catching that, you're, um, you, you've, you've got a, an unnoticed hazard. Yeah, we're quite worried that with this threshold model, um, there might be three or four providers. So you could quickly land with 2000 Four hundred bucks worth of yeah. lending, and that's that's um, it's a lot to get out of. And and you know, people get into crises and they try and solve them within a day. It's normal human behaviour. Um, to end up with two thousand four hundred dollars is just going to impact food bills over the next few months. And am I right in assuming that the penalty interest that begins to accumulate on that is very, very is heinous? Uh, it's it's not as awful as some of the 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 
awful models that have been out there in the past, but uh-huh. definitely wherever you get any form of payment penalty, and they do vary across this um, quite new industry. Georgie. Spiral. Yeah, it seems quite at odds with where the focus has been from this government in terms of uh, more protections in place, more regulation. So in, forgive my ignorance, but is this just a proposal at this time or is it sort of, is it been, is it a done deal? No, it's, um, so it, it was up for submissions. They closed on Friday and um, ah, from right. here it's up to the, the minister, I believe, to take Duncan Webb to take it back to Cabinet. With yeah, 600 bucks is a lot of money. I, well, what, what do you think it should be, uh, Jake? If, if, if not 600 then what? We've said zero. Um, and zero? Affordability, yeah, affordability assessments are really important. Even $10, if it starts to spiral and there's mm-hmm. late payment fees, that just starts adding up to fault fees at the bank, all sorts of other issues, and it just causes further financial crisis. I mean, you could arguably say that a credit card uh, potentially only goes to $200, but they don't give you that without doing the assessment first, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. Credit card, you get an affordability assessment from zero dollars up, yeah. and and so too any other finance. This has all right. come up in a loophole, and it's about closing that loophole. Mm, I see. Yeah. All right, Jake Kyoto, thanks. That's Jake Lilly there from FinCap Ten to Five. The panel. I've just got to sneak in some double-barreled name feedbacks because mm-hmm. we might come to this later on the panel. It's it's a oh, year they do, mm-hmm. um, and it's very interesting though. Uh, no, they don't. Our family name had come to the end of the line via a lineage of women, and then my dad, an only child, who had two daughters. Both my four kids and my sisters, three, all have our family name as their sole surname. Our only downside is when people assume their dad is not related to them. Yep, and at the moment people are assuming I'm not related to my son. Really? Is that right? Well, if you've got the, if you're the odd one out in a oh. in, in a pack of um, <laughs> of other people, you do sort of there is no commonality there. So I, I it's a hard topic. It's one of those it ones is. that gets you right in the. You're like, I want to fire up and 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 change it, and I'm in, going to. In Spain, you take the father's surname followed by the mother's surname. When your kids have kids, they take their father's surname followed by the new wife's surname. It's very cool mm. and very fair. My son was born there. It was easy. One daughter in the UK, one in New Zealand. Really difficult. We had to hyphen the girl's surname, says Ian. One more. Lila says, my children have a double-barrel surname along with lots of middle names. I apologise an awful lot when they're filling forms out. I did contemplate changing to X as a surname. It would have been easier. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, on... Oh, by the way, um, uh, just returning to the Oscars just momentarily... Everything Everywhere did indeed turn out to be an Oscars juggernaut tonight, winning five top Oscars today. Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor and Actress and Best Director and Best Original Screenplay and Editing. And it's the kind of Oscar domination we haven't seen in a number of years. But to the Ashburton District Council because they've got a problem and that problem is with pigeon poos and they do not know what to do. They recently removed, get this, half a tonne of pigeon poos from the Ashburton Event Centre and yet it keeps on coming. And the financial toll of the pigeon poos is coming home to roost. So with us is Roger Farr, Ashburton Trust Event Centre General Manager. Roger, great to have you on. Good afternoon, how are you? I'm very well. What about you? This is the big issue in Ashburton. I was amazed by the sheer volume of pigeon poos. Yeah, look, it's 
surprised me too. I think um, it's been a gradual process over COVID. We weren't able to get up there and maintain it as well as what we'd have liked. And uh, it's accumulated to the point where, yeah, we had um, uh, 600 kgs of poo had to be removed. So yeah. not a pleasant task, but not one that had to be done. It's probably just to clarify a wee bit, it's um, the Ashburton uh, Event Centre. It's it's a charitable organisation yes. run by the Ashburton Performing Art Theatre Trust. Uh, we do get funding from the Ashburton District Council, but it's an independent body. Um, and this makes and owns the building. And this makes the issue all the more important, which is why we have you on the panel, because half a tonne of poos, it takes a lot to yeah, get rid of. Financial toll. Does. It is. It's a huge financial cost for the organisation, and you know, not just that. It's the ongoing health concerns that we have with it. Yep. Um, we, we are quite serious about maintaining it to a standard. Um, there's a lot of air conditioning and plant up on that deck that has to be maintained, and um, it's just becoming a, a burden as far as financial cost goes. Well, let's 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 uh, let's open the minds of the best and brightest here. See if they've got any solutions. George Stallone, you've got to have a solution. You're in you're in government relations. Oh, yes. Look, I tried a little quick Google search on this, and and there are other facilities around the world that have had um, similar similar problems. And aside from a, a mass cull, which may not be very popular. There seems to be, uh, you can build them another house that's not too far away and basically make the decor better and the offerings better and they might slowly get the uh, get the idea that they need to move out. <laughs> so uh, that's what Google says and um, <laughs> there you go. Stay there, I have David. just had a revelation. I, my first <laughs> one was a dopey one, which is going to be you, you equip some sort of a, a Roomba with um, pr- firing projectiles. Very and, good. And put up that there. But, but then it occurred to me, it, sitting in this very chair with you, uh, Wallace, Go sorry, in the studio, we spoke to somebody from Ashburton about the disc golf and how they were getting all these divots in the golf course mm. and people were rolling their ankles playing their you know frisbee golf. And... Why don't you fill those divots with pigeon poo? Why don't you move it from the roof to the holes in the in the golf course? All right, so Roger, um, David here is talking about how to monetize half a ton of pigeon poos. Is there any way to incorporate monetization here? Probably not. I think the golf have concerns about the around the golf course. It's fertilizer. There's got to be a solution here. There's got to be a solution Free because the, this is unsustainable. We mm. need we need to find an answer for you. The finan- so don't, don't mean the, to be flippant. No, no. The financial I, toll I, of this poos is just unbelievable. Have you tried laser lights? We've tried everything. We've have you tried scarecrow? Have you tried scarecrow kites? Uh, the wind up there destroyed them within about first two oh. days. What about airports, <laughs> talking to your airports? Because they obviously have a whole lot of techniques that they use um, to reduce the number of birds when planes are taking off and, and landing. I wonder if they have any uh, handy tech and gadgets that you could lend. Yeah, like we're, we're continually consulting on it and... Um, the, the East Britain District Council are actually uh, they're building a um, brand new civic centre at the moment, so they're looking into the 
processes that are available for mm. controlling pigeons, mm. and um, we're hope, hoping that they come up with a resolution fairly shortly. Well, look, I tell you why people are saying that monetization might be in a, it might be uh, something up for grabs. Uh, it's one of the best fertilizers for gardens. Surely there's a market for this fabulous stuff. And Olivia says, didn't the island of Nauru make their millions from mining seagull poos? It wasn't seagull, was it? It was. It was. Well, someone will know. Phosphate. Nauru. We'll find out. Let's 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 end on a good note. Let's end on something positive. Strassman's is coming. That uh, ventriloquist is coming to the Ashburton Trust Event Centre. So things are happening. But things are picking up again nicely. It uh, was a bit of a struggle over COVID, yeah. and uh, I think for every venue in New Zealand suffered. But yeah, it's turned a corner, and we're definitely picking um, a lot of touring shows up again. And Strassman is one of them. Very popular, always has been. Um, so yeah. It's coming along. Yeah, there's good a good number of events turn, um, coming back through now, so very happy with it, you know. I suppose you, at the moment. you just have to focus on the positive, don't you, Roger? Oh, you do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of venues probably worse off than we are, so... <laughs> Good on you, Roger. Keep up with the fight against the pigeons uh, and all the best for keeping the Ashburton Trust Event Centre open. So, look, if anybody has uh, an answer to the poos, uh, email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. And on that note... Or maybe you could make it pick your own poos, scoop your own poos, like, you know, the strawberries. The idea you is just keep on coming from... The there. Where do you get them from? Yeah, that I'm wonderful not, mind of yours. I'm hey? just full of it. <laughs> <laughs> Always. I've known you for a while, David. You always are. Anyway, <laughs> wonderful stuff. Georgie Stoliano, David Slake, thank you for your company. I'm Wallace Chapman. I am back tomorrow, Tuesday, 3.45. See you then.